Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I uh, don't know why you'd return anything because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hey everyone, welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. I'm Matt. I'm Dory. It's a podcast about two people. Apparently in a quest to have two children. News to all of us. Thank you so much for being here. We hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah. It's a crazy time out there. It is. It was a long time coming. Yeah. Let's get it, guys. Yep. Let's get after it. Um, Henry attended his first protest on Monday. I mean, Friday. Friday. I don't know what days of weeks are anymore. <laughs> Um, yeah, he went to his first protest. Hopefully the first of, uh, you know, not many needed, but he'll, he'll probably be at more. Yeah, I think so. Hope so. He's got a long life ahead of him. Hopefully. Yeah. Lots to, uh, doth protest. Um, and, uh, let's see what else is happening out there. It's a big week over here in the sense that, uh, you know, Bo got attacked, Bo and a skunk got into a little scuffle. A skunkle? 
look, our dog has skunk breath and it will never go away. Yeah. He, Friday night, or Thursday, I don't even remember what It was Friday night. Thursday night. Thursday night? Yeah. Wow, I don't know what day it is either. Um, Maybe it was Friday, I don't know, whatever. No, it was Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, Bo, dog extraordinaire. You've seen him on Instagram. You thought he was a horse. Um, I was in my office, which is out in the in the in the what I assume was a garage. Garage. I don't know. Whatever. It's a freestanding building <laughs> that takes up what probably would have been the yard. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I was in there, and it was uh, late. Right? It was like ten o'clock. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was past, 1045. It was past because I was Dory's on my, official bedtime. I was on my last, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna play one more game of Mahjong. Then I'm going to go to bed. And then I hear Bo starting to like bark frantically. And I was like, oh, I just want to finish my Mahjong game. And I heard it too. And I was like, I'm going to just take a leap here and assume that Dory is not on top of this because, you know, by this time she's got her pajamas on. She's usually barefoot. She's not going to be out there with the dog. You know, and usually we just let Bo pee. He comes back in the house like, you know, 10, 15 minutes later. But I hear the frantic barking. I go over. I'm like, what is happening? I start yelling. He's not returning. I go to the front of the house and he's barking. First of all, I knew he got, I smelled the skunk immediately. And I was like, Bo and a skunk. So I get up to the front and I'm like, I see that Bo is barking into Henry's playpen, his outdoor playpen. And uh, I look and I'm like, oh, it's a skunk. Like, I run in the house, Dory, get cheese, Bo and a skunk, or Bo is attacking a skunk. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I got pulled Bo away with the cheese. I saw a little bit of blood. And I saw his eyes were were very red. Uh, and I brought we brought we brought him in the house, and you know you read that thing, the old wives' uh, remedy of uh, tomato sauce. But then you think to yourself, do you actually have tomato sauce in your house? If so, is it more than one can? Because if you have a dog the size of Bo, you're going to need about a hundred cans. <laughs> <laughs> so. Dora's uh, like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, we don't have tomato sauce. And I was just like, Google it. <laughs> so she, well, I was, so the thing I was doing first and foremost was flushing Bo's eyes out. So I got a towel, soaked it in warm water, and I just was like rubbing it on his face, you know, over his eyes. And I could tell it was helping because he wasn't running away from it. Mm-hmm. So... We then proceeded to, uh, I was in the bathroom with him in our bathroom, uh, bathroom furthest from Henry's room. And, you know, I'm in there with the shower running and Dory returns, post-googling, and I just watch her open a bottle of, open a gallon jug of vinegar and it just shoots into the ceiling. And I'm like, what the (laughs) hell is happening? She's like, it's, it's like the internet said vinegar and baking. So I was like, and you closed it. 
So, you know, Dory is an English major and a history major, not a, not a... Look, I'm not a scientist. Not a science, not a, not a middle schooler who would know that that is how you no. make a volcano go up. In I mean, I did models. watch that episode of the Brady Bunch. Sure. So then like, so not only am I dealing with the, the skunk smell and our poor dog, and then I'm dealing with vinegar dripping from the ceiling. This is accurate. So we try to we try our best to get Bo bathed, um, and calmed down. And you know he, you know, at this point, I leave him with Dory, and I go out to see check on our skunk friend. I'm a compassionate animal lover, so I go out there and I see what I would describe as an adorable skunk. Like, uh, I would say the Pepe Le Pew of skunks. <laughs> but the skunk, like, I go over there and I'm, like, half expecting to see, like, the, 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 the carcass of a skunk. And I just see the, you know, the skunk's tail. Like, I see the ball of black and white fur. And I'm like, oh, this poor skunk dead. And then all of a sudden the skunk raises its head up, looks at me, and then starts to turn its ass towards me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're alive. <laughs> And ready. You're alive, to spray. so that's good. And then I like Google how many, how many. I was like, how many times can a skunk spray within like an hour? Because if it was like, it's get one spray and then it's done for like four hours. I was like, I was gonna just deal with it. But I looked it up. They get, they get, they got a lot of juice in there. <laughs> so I then go back in and clean up bow a little bit more. And it's like one o'clock in the morning now, and I'm like. In um, yeah, I still had, I st- I still dressed. I had pants and sneakers on, and then I'm like thinking about this skunk, and I'm like, okay, if the skunk's gonna spray me, I'm gonna I don't want I don't want clothes that I care about on. I gotta I gotta somehow get because I'm like, can a skunk climb up the walls of this playpen? It had to get in there somehow. But then I was like, oh, well, it's right next to the tree. If it was like climbing up the tree to get away from Bo and Bo like knocked it into the, like just like knocked it into the basket, <laughs> um, then then the skunk's not going to get out. So I was worried about the skunk. And then I was like thinking, oh, um, Holly comes at eight o'clock in the morning. And the skunk is right next to the door because the playpen's right next to the door. And I'm like, that's not a thing. Anyone wants to walk into a skunk situation? Because I was going to leave it till the morning and then get it out in the morning. But then I was like, oh, I should figure. So then I take off all my clothes except for my boxers. And I'm out there in the yard with, a, with, the, with the longest broom handle I could find trying to tip this, this, this playpen up in the air. And I get it tipped over. And I look at the skunk, and the skunk's still looking at me like, what's happening? And I'm like, I look at them, I'm like, okay, the skunk can definitely get out now. And then I just went in the house. And... But didn't you, like, set up an escape route for him? Well, I did in the sense that, like, I tipped the thing up, laid it up against the tree so that he could just walk on the wall like it was a little ramp, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, to freedom. Yeah. And I went back in the house and I changed my clothes. My, my, I put on new boxers and put on a t-shirt and went to bed with a stinky dog sleeping next to me. Oh, he's so stinky. Um, and then 
when I got up in the morning, I was like, I gotta go check. And then when I went outside, I was so relieved. The skunk was gone. The skunk had made his way out to probably his other skunk friends to be like, you gotta stay out of this yard. <laughs> there's, there's a, a psychotic there's dog. There's a lunatic dog. <laughs> um, and I, uh, then we, then like, so, then it was like, we got to take him to the chateau to get a bath, a skunk bath. And then I got to figure out how to get the skunk smell out of the house. And I would say for the most part, 90% the skunk smells out of the house right yeah. now. Um, but the problem is post skunk bath, we had to get rid of Bo's collar. Actually, I didn't get rid of it. It's sitting out on the table out there, but it smelled so bad like skunk and it's a leather. It was a leather collar. So I had to get Bo a new collar. And, and take him for a skunk bath. He looks great. Nice blue and white collar. He seems to not care. Um, but after his bath, I picked him up. And his, and it, you know, he breathed in my face. I'm like, oh, you skunk breath. And he still has skunk breath. <laughs> his fur smells better. Oh, his fur smells like, like a fresh bathed dog. But when, he, when he's horrendous. near you... <laughs> You just get a waft of that breath, and it's like, oh. So I got to get some, like, I got to order those, uh, you know those, like, greenies with the center, the white center? No. That are, like, breath freshening, dog dog breath fresheners? I probably need to get a thousand of those (laughs) and just feed them to him one after another. (laughs) Oh, poor Bobo. Um, Yeah, so that created a situation where, like, Dory and I, Dory's never up late. I mean, she's up later now that she has hobbies finally, but um, it was like one thirty in the morning or something, and we we're both still up. It was very late. Uh, and and Henry slept through the whole thing. Per usual. And then we woke up in the morning, and I was like looking at the bathroom. It was a disaster. And, you know, just every towel smelled like skunk. So they're still outside air drying. <laughs> I think we can throw them in the dryer again. I think they need one more wash with the skunk stuff that I bought. Oh, that stuff works not just for dogs? Yeah. You can, can I spray that shit on the tree outside? You can mix it with your laundry detergent. It's not oh. spray. It's like a pour out bottle. I know, but like I could put it in like a... You could put it in a spray bottle. I could put it in my uh, pressure washer. Yeah, sure. Hmm. That's not a bad idea. Because the house, the tree outside the house, closest to the house, to the path, uh, smells... Skunky. Pretty bad. Henry's play pen was a double bag throw out. Yeah, that was not, not salvageable. <laughs> they were like, so long. And some of his toys. Yeah. But, you know, c'est la vie. Yep. You know, it's actually shocking that this is the first time it's happened. Well, yeah, I mean, we've de- I've dealt with him, like, wanting to kill a possum and uh, wanting to kill squirrels and like he's he's gotten a hold of a possum uh he likes to hunt he does um in fact the woman who was his uh foster mom if i remember correctly she told me that he used to she lived over by the beach and he used to love killing rats bo used to love uh, killing rats i was like okay and yet when we had rats in our old house he never killed one rat. He ne- well, because we never had them. They were never in the yard, the house. They were, well, they were in, in the, the attic. They were in the crawl space. They yeah. never made their way down through anything. That's 
Um, but uh, yeah, so <sighs> it was quite a bow venture. It was bananas. It was nanas, as, as Henry said. Nana, nana. Henry's very chatty these days. He's got a weird baby language going too. Yeah. That's sort of what it sounds like. Um, he also likes to walk into a room, exit the room, take four steps, circle back. He's a big circle back kind of guy. He also likes to take something, hand it to you, have you hand it back to him immediately, and then he hands it back to you, and then you have to hand it back to him. Yeah, he loves to give me my hat. I put on my hat. He's delighted by it. Then he asks for the hat again so that he can give it to me again. (laughs) (laughs) He's also in a phase where uh, he needs to be read to... A thousand times. The same book about 400 times in a row. (laughs) You know, I finally started saying to him, Henry, I'm not reading to you right now. I'm going to read to you later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that sort of, does that, does that ease his brain? Eventually, he stops. <laughs> but what he did this morning was, <laughs> so first he was bringing me Circle Triangle Elephant, which I read to him about a thousand times. And mm-hmm. then I finally was like, Henry, I'm, this is the last time I'm going to read this to you. And then I read it to him and I was like, okay, I'm going to read to you later, but I'm not going to read to you anymore right now. And he, mm-hmm. and he yeah. tried to give it to me like five more times. Then he was like, mm, I have an idea. And he went and got a different book, <laughs> <laughs> tried to give me that book. And I was like, no, Henry, I'm not going to read to you right now. And then he tried to give that to me, that book to me like a bunch more times. Then he went and got another book. Yeah. It's like, well, what about this one, mom? That's fair. Yeah. I mean, he was like, you did say you were only, gonna, you were going to read this book one right, more time. Right. Um, but then like eventually he gave up and went and played by himself. Like all, like all good Myras, he gave up eventually. <laughs> and then took a nap. <laughs> um, yeah, he's in a very cute phase right now, I would say. Uh, he also likes to yell a lot. Uh, I, he likes to yell a lot about like um, uh, his desire to exit the playroom. Where it's like he'll be facing out and he'll be screaming his lungs off. And then he turns around to look at you to be like, huh? Is this going to work? So it's funny. He also likes to, he just likes to hit, he he just likes to, he likes toggle switches on guitars and, and a Bigsby. And he loves making you play guitar for him. That was sort of new today. No, I feel like that's been going on for a few days. No, usually he just wants me to get the guitar so he can futz with it. Mm. And then I, I, he was futzing, and then I, and then I was like not happy, and I was like, "What? Oh, you want me to play it? Okay." <laughs> and then like he'll go about his business, and then if I stop playing, he looks at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's happening? Why aren't you playing? <laughs> So he's demanding. I mean, I feel like this is like what happens with like, this is very developmentally appropriate for toddlers. They're beginning to like assert their independence and their personality. Sounds like they're asserting their dominance over us. Where they're like, you're going to read to me. Yeah. And I don't care how many times. It just has to be a lot He stands there with his thumb in his mouth. He does. He like, 
as though he's like watching he likes a play. Like he's watching people perform. He's yeah. like, great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, mm, mm. He's like Bob Fosse. And we're all doing the dance wrong. <laughs> um, all right. Before we take a break, just uh, apologies for those of you who had some audio issues last week. Oh, yeah. That's on me. Uh, as is usual. Everyone, welcome. I just wanted to be clear that things don't change and uh if i'm in charge of files then i'm in charge of files and it's going to be sometimes a mess and then like you know apparently the middle half too you were echoey oh no according to my mother so i know what the problem was i know why it happened uh but why was i echoey because when i finally got my track onto the timeline you were it was off by like a half a second or whatever so you were coming in through my microphone as well as your microphone. Oh, boy. Look, thank you all for bearing with us uh, through these growing pains. <laughs> We've only been doing podcasts for, I mean, look, I've been doing it for 12 years and I'm still, I'm still going to make mistakes. So, yeah, well, what can you do? All right, we'll take, we're going to take a short break and we will BRB. be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house, and I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love, anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a... Just a smidge higher, like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet, not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees or underwear you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness to date bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting i mean bombas can make returns easy as well 
I don't know why you'd return anything because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hello. We're back, everyone. We have returned. Um, I just want to remind everyone that you can call us at 413-461-BABY and you can email us at doryandmatt at gmail.com or mattanddory at gmail.com. All right. Our first email is from a longtime listener who we haven't heard from in a, in a while. Okay. Ron from Karen Crow, Louisiana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Less than six minutes in, and I had to pause the pod and chime in as Matt ponders aloud whether or not it was fair that you brought a child into the world as the world is falling apart. I have had this question thrown at me quite a bit over the last several years as I'm your listener with eight kids. That's right. Here's the answer that I that in my heart feels true. I don't feel bad or upset at all. The reason the world is, quote, burning down is because we have had so many people from mostly previous generations that have started the fires and stoked them with their actions and ideals. If we don't bring more people whom we can raise and try and shape into the people who will fight and correct these wrongs and rebuild after the fire has burned out, then they will, then they, being the fire pokers, will win. Mm. I live in a very conservative area of the country. We are surrounded by and directly related to the kind of closed-minded people who only think about what is good for them right now. I have several of my peers who blindly follow their parents' ideals and are raising their kids to believe that things are either patently, things that are either patently untrue or are downright racist. Mm. On the other hand, I also know many people who have learned from the lessons that our ancestors actually tried to teach us. Most of us are descendant from Acadians who were kicked out of Canada and settled here. My grandfather was beaten in school because he didn't speak English until he was in second or third grade as French, Cajun French, more precisely, was all that was spoken at home. He tried to raise children who were tolerant of everyone. For the most part, it worked. I feel like the message got lost, though, as they got older. Mm -hmm. My mom is the middle of six and the only one who didn't blindly vote for the Republican candidate. Her siblings still give her shit for it. I applaud her. Sorry for the long rant, but after having to explain to my 10 and 11 year old this weekend that people were protesting and rioting because of the hate being thrown at them simply for existing in a society that was built to be stacked against them and try to get and get into the mindset of these ignorant people who created these problems in the first place hurts my heart. Mm. A year ago, we had to explain what homophobia was because my kids couldn't fathom why someone could be hated just because of who they love. And now this in short, raise Henry. Well, teach him to think and question continue to show compassion and to welcome everyone also teach him to fight for what's right and don't be afraid to raise his voice and if necessary other things to fight for what's right hope you guys stay safe and best of luck if round two of your excellent adventure ends up being a go remember the more of us there are to rebuild the world the better it will be uh best explanation yet for having more children by far so thank you Thank you, Ron. Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, look. I just don't. I, just, I, I don't know what happens to old people. <laughs> I don't understand it. Um. It does. I God. I hope. I hope. I hope this is like the start of actual change. Um. But yeah, I mean, look. If I just if I just show him Star Trek, he should be pretty good. He should just get it, for the most part. If you have moral uh, centers, I agree with that. I think, but I think it's also important to not just show him this stuff in pop culture but also to have it be his lived experience for sure but also like you know to i mean both my parents worked full-time and i don't i i sort of like spent so much time with my television so you know the things i watched generally were uh yeah, I watched a lot of Star Trek as a kid. It's a good. It's a very. It's good. Uh, it's good messaging. I mean, some of it's a, some of the earlier stuff is like a little. You know, you can find parts of it. You're like, whoa, but overall, for you know, considering what else was on television in 1967, and like, just there, you know, good sci-fi really, really does uh, share a lot of lessons of morality and et cetera and et cetera. Um, yeah, I was just, I mean, look I, at Michelle, not... Michelle Nichols wanted to quit Star Trek after the first season. And Martin Luther King told her not to do that because he said it was one of the only shows that they could watch together as a family where you see a black person that is in a role of power and is serving on the ship as an equal, as a Lieutenant, hmm. you know, and that was in the sixties and it was like, and then Whoopi Goldberg always tells that story too of how she was like, she like yelled to her mother to come look because there was a black lady on TV and she was, and she wasn't like somebody's maid or something. Right. So, like inherently, Star Trek has shaped me in ways that, you know, you don't even fully realize until you're yeah old. I feel old. You are old. <laughs> Yeah, not as old as me, but you're old. But you know, it's like you know, I said I said it uh, at Star Trek Las Vegas a couple of years ago when I was hosting a panel where I said out loud, I was like, on stage, I was like, I mean, look, if you if you're looking for, if you think it's like having a gay character, or whatever, it's too progressive, then get the fuck out. You're watching Star Trek. What do you think you're watching? <laughs> Yeah. Big applause break. But I didn't say it for the applause. It was genuinely what I've always been thinking. It's like, I don't get, I, I get mad about the things I get mad about. Like, why does the Enterprise look kind of different here? It shouldn't. Right. <laughs> right. Look, I, I I appreciate that. And I hope that you do show him Star All Trek. All I'm saying, I'm not saying to you, the only thing we should do with our son is show him Star Trek. Yes. Because he'd be real weird. Yes. But I'm just saying, like. I'm all, I, no, and I'm I'm all for that, but I also think it's important for him to like have friends in real life who are not course. white, and to also well, like, in fairness to him, he's a quarter Cuban, so 
He's got, uh, you know. Yeah, but he's very white presenting. That's so weird. Too, and I cannot <laughs> understand it. He's blonde and he has blue eyes. And he's very pale. Blue eyes, understand. That's Both our fathers have blue eyes. The blonde hair. My father claims to have been blonde as a child. And then it turned darker. Um, I have not seen photographic evidence of this. But I don't know how many pictures they were taken of him in 1952. Sure. Um, and he's got all of Dory's paleness. Yeah, he does. It's pretty gross. <laughs> Thanks, honey. You're love welcome. You. Love you too. I'm like, the kid should be tanning. He comes from a long history. If you look at the census reports of the Myras, my dad did some Ancestry.com stuff. And it's so funny when you look at the family tree and then you look at like the documents that go along with the tree. You can like click on census data from whatever and you see a census and you see a filled out census from a Myra in like 1941 or whatever. And for like a hundred years, you were either a painter or a cigar roller. <laughs> that was that was it. Uh, so anyway, so it's in your blood. Yes, to paint and smoke cigars. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm sure this will be an ongoing conversation for us and hopefully for many of you. I mean, it's good to have the conversation. It's a conversation that needs to be had for everybody. Yeah. I ordered him some more, some board books that have non-white protagonists. Yeah. Again, look, you're, you're, I don't care what color the protagonist is. The protagonist just have a moral center. I mean, look, his guy, the only, the only painting he has in his, in his playroom is Benjamin Sisko, who actually, I think is morally gray sometimes especially when this federation was at war interesting but damn was he a good captain all right we got a couple of emails regarding the um orthodox jewish information we received last week about the about uh, the fertility, the, the fertility condom. condom yes the fertcon yes you guys going to fertcon 98 <laughs> all right this first email is from leah Hi, I paused the pod. Long time listener here. I'm an Orthodox Jewish woman. I didn't go through IVF, but find everything related to fertility slash pregnancy slash birth interesting. So my podcasts reflect that. <laughs> what I want to get, get. That library, I got to see what else is in there. I am sure you already got multiple reactions to that discussion, but basically the prohibition against wasting seed comes from the biblical story of Onan. Onan pulled out to avoid impregnating his brother's widow. Fair. Look, I mean, honestly, I'm going to say right now, reasonable the custom at that time was if a man died without children his brother married his widow so okay but they custom. weren't but they weren't were they married uh, unclear okay. any resulting children would carry the dead brother's name oh i see okay that's extra weird onan the... died for essentially the sin of refusing to be a sperm donor the widow tamar really wanted children she went on to seduce her father-in-law yehuda mm -hmm. in disguise Ooh. And had twins. Like with big glasses and a mustache? <laughs> yes. She almost got killed for adultery, but proved to Judah, Yehuda, that the babies were his. He admitted she was right in her actions. Typical rated X Bible story. <laughs> got me super confused in first grade. LOL. Anyway, the prohibition does not mean a man is only allowed to have intercourse with a fertile woman. Sex is allowed and encouraged during pregnancy. Lactational amenorrhea if the woman is on the pill and after men menopause. Uh-huh. 
It is true that mikvah laws make it very likely you have sex in your fertile window, assuming you have regular ovulatory cycles that are average length or longer. That is probably not by accident in a culture that encourages big families, but Mm -hmm. sex is very much allowed outside of the fertile window. The wasting seed prohibition just means the sperm has to be spilled in the right place, even if there's (laughs) zero chance of pregnancy for whatever reason. Interesting. Personally, I had not had a fertile cycle since March 2017. Pregnancy followed by breastfeeding with mini pill and later just pills. Yeah. I also didn't have cycles from March 2015 to January 2017 due to pregnancy and breastfeeding with my first. I sure hope no couple is expected to abstain for that long. Marital sex in Judaism is considered a mitzvah on its own, separate from the mitzvah of procreation. It is a mitzvah to have sex if it will prevent you from sinning. It is also a mitzvah to fulfill onah, marital obligation of the husband to the wife to sexually satisfy her. In some Jewish schools of thought, sex is seen as a very spiritual act representing union of God's male and female aspects. Okay, enough weird halakhic sex info dump for one email. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's enough. No, I think I live in Ra'anana, Israel, in a rented apartment I don't know the size of, except that it was definitely too small for COVID (laughs) shutdown with children. I live with my husband, four-year-old daughter, and two-year-old son. Thank you for years of listening content. Wishing you and your family stay safe and healthy through these turbulent times. All the best, Leah. Leah, thank you for the for the dropping some info on us. Some biblical info. I like it. I like it. Some info from 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 behind uh, COVID doors in the quarantines. <laughs> yes. Although is, is I don't Israel's think Israel's still. Out of the yeah, I think they're right? out. Um, okay, we got another. Interestingly. Another Orthodox woman from Israel emailed us. This is what I live for. (laughs) All right. This one asked to be anonymous. You have got it. I want to clarify that many, many Orthodox Jews do use the jerk-off room at fertility clinics. Let me just say Dory's not editorializing. There are too many's there. (laughs) Most of us agree that any sperm that is used to try for a pregnancy would not be considered wasted. Oh, that's true. No yeah. matter how it is extracted. Strange wording, I know. Not sure how else to put it. <laughs> I also want to let you know that the goal of sex in the Orthodox Jewish world is not only for pregnancy. Sex is meant to be a form of pleasure, love, health, and intimacy. For this reason, sex is allowed and encouraged during pregnancy, after menopause, and when a couple is using whatever means of birth control. It is true that we abstain from intercourse during the wife's menstrual cycle and for a few days after that. That issue is pretty technical and detailed beyond the scope of this email. Hang on. So the birth control, the Orthodox community is all like thumbs up on birth control? Apparently. This is where the Catholics are so fucking weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. It is true. Oh, wait, yes, I read that paragraph. Thank you for talking so openly about your life and your struggles. Thank you for providing a space for people to express their thoughts and feelings. Thank you for giving an insider's view into the process. Your podcast is invaluable to me as it helps me understand my sister's fertility journey. An anonymous Orthodox Jewish woman in Israel, 135 square meters, one husband and four children. Though we've pretty much come out of isolation here in Israel, so I don't know how relevant that information is. It's still relevant. We're just... I agree. This, for any for any like recent listeners who got in like uh, midway through or and like and never went back to the beginning, the reason people give their square footage and tell us how many people they're living with is because uh, of our old living situation and when we felt like we were on top of each other. And, and we did not shut up about it. And we couldn't shut up about it. And I was like... I demand to know how comfortable everyone else is. <laughs> and it's turned into a thing where everyone is, is saying it and it's delightful to me. 
and uh, I hope it continues. You know, sometimes people write into Forever 35. And they're drop crossover that? listeners. They're like, hey, I'm a crossover listener. So just letting you know, I live in 1,600 square feet. <laughs> Does Kate find it weird? Kate's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to explain it to her. And she was like, oh, okay. Still weird. Still weird. Right? Still weird. Um, all right. Let's take another break. Oh, wow. Wow. Here we go. Break time. Break time. BRB. Make your coffee, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay. Well, we're back. Matt could not believe that it was time for another break. He thought I actually had to like pee or something. I'll tell you what, you know, they they said it's the old uh proverb, right? Uh time flies when Orthodox Jewish women are writing in. That is a proverb. Yes. Thank you. Writing emails. I was like, what already? Hi, Matt, Dory, Henry, and Bo. I hope you are all doing well and keeping safe. I wrote in a few times before, and I want to update you that our baby safely arrived via planned C-section. Congrats. It makes all the difference when it's planned. Interesting. I have heard this too. Here's a photo of him. I've been listening to the past few episodes on the subject of a second baby, and I started wondering how race impacts one's decision. Our baby is a mix of Asian, Jewish, and Danish. He looks like both of us, but also neither of us. I don't know if that makes sense. I wonder if he'll feel lonely growing up, not having someone who looks more like him or who can relate to him about being visibly mixed. It would be interesting to hear the experiences slash thoughts of other mixed race couples. Love the pod. Thank you for keeping it going. That's an interesting issue. It is, but it's also like I don't I don't think babies care. I feel like they just they see like two eyes and a and a I don't think I don't know if babies care, but I think that as children get older it can be Hmm. I don't know, it can be isolating to not be around anyone who looks like you. Well I'll tell you that I was I always felt weird being like the only kid that wasn't Irish at school. That's what I'm saying. So, I get it, I guess. I'm not Irish. (laughs) You're also not Jewish, contrary to popular belief. That's true, but I married a Jew. You did. Which makes me Jewish. (laughs) Makes Bo Jewish. It does. All right. Um, Here's a voicemail. Just kidding. Why can't we hear this? I don't know. Why don't you tell me what, where 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 your speaker output is and what the level is of like your LR if that's if that's turned up on your on your Zoom. That's turned up. Okay, Where's my so speaker? Go to output? speaker and then and then check your output. Just go there. Go to audio, sound rather. I think it's called, and then check. What's the output? And it says display port. So you want to go to headphone port, ah. mm-hmm. and then now you can hit play. Okay. Thank you. Hi, Matt, Dory, Bo, and Henry. I am calling from Connecticut. This is Jen. Um, I'm calling about two things. Um, I was an only child, and I don't remember ever having an issue with it growing up. I did 
grow up with cousins close in age as well as close in proximity, so it was always with them. Um, but I will say as I got older until like high school and college, I wanted a sibling so bad only because I saw how close some of my friends were with their siblings. But I also saw how um, not close they were somewhere with, with their siblings and they wish they were an only child. So I really think it depends on the person, it depends on the situation, and there's no right or wrong answer. Um, I will say that when I thought about having kids, I definitely wanted more than one. And I now have five-year-old science babies, nice. um, twins, and it's wonderful some days and not wonderful other days. So no right or wrong answer, but just wanted to share my experience. And also um, talking about if there are apartments in Brookline. I met my husband in Brookline, and he lives in an apartment on Boylston, um, That's right on the corner across from the reservoir. So definitely our apartment's there. Um, yeah, but that's like I said, Boylston and Comet. She grew up there. So, you said Beacon. Yeah, um, calling said Beacon? from, like I said, Connecticut. I should have said uh, 2,100 square foot home with myself, oh, my husband, five year old twins, and a lovely 35 pound dog. She might be 40 pounds now due to the quarantine. <laughs> Have a great day. Oh, Bo, imagine if you were half the size. He is so asleep. He is. Well, you know, he's he's been tired ever since he got into it with the skunk. I still can't get over his horrible skunk breath. Oh, it's so bad. Um, that's you know what I was. I was why was I okay? So she's saying that uh, the Brooklyn apartments, and then I was going to say something related to. First of all, thank you for sharing your experience as an only child. Uh, I didn't know many only children growing up. Did you? I was. I was friends with one in elementary school. Mm-hmm. No, I was friends with two in elementary school. Yeah. Yeah, but two, that was elementary school. Like, who two knows? Two girls by the I time, knew. By the time they hit middle school, they could have been. They could have had a sibling. No, they never. They oh, never I had see. siblings. Um, you kept in touch. But I didn't. Well, our elementary school went up to eighth grade. Oh. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah, I would say I knew some for sure. You know, not a ton. Also, what was another thing that's interesting, or maybe it's not that interesting, but I didn't know. That was Henry. Uh, I didn't know anybody with a div- with that came from divorced parents. Oh, that's interesting. One of the only children I knew was from divorced parents. Um, but like I find that so wild to think about now. I feel like there were a lot in Brookline. <laughs> there were, it's, you know. Weirdly, in your in your uber Catholic ports of uh, Massachusetts, it was not common. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um. But what I was Brookline made me think of your dad, and that also made me think of the video of Las Vegas from Friday mm-hmm. that I saw on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Guys, what the fuck? <laughs> Las Vegas right now. People are just gallivanting. Uh, no masks. Uh, I would say social distancing doesn't exist. Correct. It looked it looked like uh like it was you know, February. Yeah. And there was no one was in danger of catching anything. 
boy, oh boy. There's, I just, so seeing that, I was like, well, I'm not going to Vegas for a long time. Anyway, mm. <laughs> second wave's got to come. Um, we have a question about Vegas later in the episode. Actually. All right. I hope I can answer it. All right. Hi, Dory, Matt, Henry, and Bo. I'm writing to ask a question about when to have a second baby. I have PCOS, and so we did IVF for my son, and I'm about to start my medical residency this month in a non-surgical specialty. I have three more PGS normal embryos on ice, but I just don't know when to transfer them. Ideally, I'd like to have another baby during my third year before fellowship interviews. In my last year of med school, I had my son and two weeks later stuffed my postpartum body into a suit with pants high-waisted enough over my C-section incision to interview for residency. So I know that physically it's possible, but I just don't know how I'll be able to go to the number of appointments necessary to do the transfer and monitoring. There are very strict rules about how much time you can miss and still graduate on time. Should I just wait until I'm an attending in over five years? Med school was a career shift for me, so I'm already 33, and I'd prefer kids a little closer in age. What are your opinions, and have any eggheads been in a similar situation? Thanks. Anonymous from NYC in 760 square feet with a husband and eight-month-old science baby. Okay, wait. I'm rereading this, so I fully understand the timeline. Three more PGS normal embryos on ice. Another baby during my third year. Okay. Got it. So she's about to start and she would like to have another baby in two years. Um, hmm. Do you get any time off? Like, do you get any breaks or any vacations? Cause I, I mean, feel how much like time would you need for like for a transfer? There's not, there's not as much monitoring as there is for a retrieval. Like, I feel like it's theoretically possible, but it also seems very stressful. And like, I don't know. Is there any way you can do it through the hospital you're residencing at? Can you like talk to... Good question. Because I know a friend of ours is a surgeon and she went through the uh, hospital she was resident at. That's interesting. Um, I feel a little out of my depth on this question. I'd love to hear from people who have been in the situation or more familiar with medical school and fellowship and residency mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So thank you for your question, Anonymous. The resident signal had gone out. All right. This was a very interesting email. Okay. It's from Stephanie. Longtime fan, first time emailer Stephanie here. I must first give credit to my fiance Ryan for bringing y'all into my life pretty early on in both the life of this podcast and in our relationship. In retrospect, I'm not sure why I didn't think it was even a little weird that a newly unsingled guy in his 30s was following an IVF podcast. <laughs> Sounds like a nerdist crossover. Probably. Listener. Fast forward a few years, we're getting married in February 2021. We really enjoy listening to, learning from, and laughing with the two of you. While we hope to not need a science assist to conceive, we feel more prepared to deal with it if we do because of you. Thank you. On to the reason I finally decided to write in. Your tentative, cautious exploration into starting up the IVF adventure again inspired me to go back and listen to the episodes one and two again to see how much you and your feelings about IVF has changed. It was eerie how much of it tied directly to moments from this week's episode. So I wanted to share a couple of highlights for your amusement and maybe oh, that of other listeners. One, mm-hmm. Matt, in literally the first episode ever, you mentioned how crummy jerk off rooms are. <laughs> you, mu- you muse that there might someday be an episode entirely dedicated to that topic. 
I chuckled because little did you know, shitty jerk off rooms are so much more than a single episode <laughs> topic and would be a recurrent theme that you would still be talking about three and a half years later on this week's episode. Wow. Two, the one versus two kid debate started back in episode two. Yes. Dory, you talked about wanting multiple children. Matt, of course, says he'd be cool with just one. It seems to have been part of how you pictured your future family for a long time. Obviously, much has happened and changed in the years since, but since you mentioned that dream, even before frozen embryo Henry, I would feel pretty confident in concluding that your desire now is more than just wanting to give Henry a sibling. Just my unsolicited two cents. It goes without saying that whatever decision y'all make will be what's best for your family. Interesting. These connections made me wonder, would you ever go back and listen to one or two early episodes of yourselves and talk about it in the current episode? It would be really interesting to hear your reactions now to the way you thought about things back then. The first one was only 38 minutes. So even if it's super awkward to listen to yourselves, it'd be a much shorter dose of awkward than listening to yourselves on an average episode today. What better time than when we're sort of half in and half out of quarantine? It is wild that the quarantine episodes have like routinely hit an hour, five, hour 20. Yeah. Not today, guys. We got shit to do. Um, and Stephanie's in a 1,640-square-foot house in Houston, Texas with two adults, a very fluffy 12-pound 7-year-old cat, and a 65-pound 18-month-old Rhodesian Ridgeback. Pet picks below. Remember when you thought Bo was a Rhodesian Ridgeback? I do. He looks like one, you know? Oh, that is a handsome doggy. Look at that guy. He's very cute. Oh, my gosh. Bo looks... These are like, what do you have? Like professional photographers coming? I know. <laughs> taking your animal your, photos? The cat picture looks like a postcard. It really does look like. <laughs> you have a beautiful cat too. It's like, hey. You didn't, why, why? I was going to say something. I was going to capture that photo. And I just was like, <laughs> no one listening sees the photo. And I'm just, why am I doing this? Why am I making a voice for the cat? <laughs> It's a very handsome cat sitting in a drawer in what looks to be like a built-in drawer shelf situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's very interesting, Stephanie. Thank you for uh, giving us the receipts on the receipts. my what is this? long-held desire to have a second child that I did not just come up with out of thin air. Also bringing my receipts with me. What, that you've always hated jerk-off rooms? Of my long-held desire to be fine with just one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know what? She did remind me. We haven't even caught everyone up on the appointment. Oh. (laughs) Well, Skunk Bo took up so much of our time. Skunk Bo did take up a ton of time. Yeah. Dory went... Okay, so look here. Might as well get into it. We're driving to the appointment. And I say to Dory... Did you even call to make sure that more than one person can go to these appointments? She's like, they didn't say anything. It's fine. Let's park here. <laughs> we go in, take Dory's temperature. What time's your appointment? They take my temperature. What time's your appointment? I'm like, I'm with her. Oh, okay. Only one person. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Give me the keys. <laughs> and I left. Yeah, he did. Drove around in a circle. Anyway. He was already mad about going. I was because it. I said, so don't go. But then I was like, I can't not go. Did you call? (laughs) You said on the way there. You didn't say. Well, I just like, I just wanted to hear you say, yes, I called. It's fine. I didn't even think about it. Well, I did. Okay. Well, you should have said something earlier. Turns out I didn't. 
Okay. So can we move on? No one cares about this. We've had a we've had a metered spot. <laughs> wow, you're really giving everyone the blow by blow. Well, but just look, I bet Perry was wondering about parking. Oh yeah, it's true. Um, yes, we did find a metered spot. And then By the way, it's blow by blow because I wasn't at the appointment. I have no idea what happened other than what you said. Okay. So continue. So I went in. DKB was very excited to see me. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, she gave me a whole spiel before she went in and looked about how, you know, we were gonna see how many follicles we had and she didn't want me to get my hopes up and but also, you know, because I'm older now. But also, we couldn't really know anything until Matt does his semen analysis. But this was just the first stage, and we were going to see where we were at, and et cetera, et cetera. So she, she kind of like preambles all of this. Mm-hmm. And then I get up on the thing, and she starts the ultrasound. First, she's giving me like a tour of my uterus. Yeah. Because she wanted to see how the C-section scar was looking. Yeah. She said it looked good. Mm-hmm. That fibroid that I've always had is still there, but it's not. Yeah. like pressing into the uterus and the place that it needs to, that it would be bad. So like everything there looked good. And then she starts looking at my ovaries and first she counts. Oh, she, and she said, what did she say? She was, I think she said, ideally she was looking like, I think she wanted 10 follicles. Mm-hmm. Like that was what she was like really hoping for. Yeah. So in the first ovary, I think she looked on the right one first. She saw five follicles and she was like, she was like, great. This is great. Like, it, we're, like let's just hope we have the same number on the left side. By the way, I've asked this a thousand times. No one has answered it yet, but I feel like left-handed people, left side's more. Right-handed people, the right side has more. The body, when the cells split, I'm telling you, the body does weird things. I guarantee you that's, that's the fact. Okay. Um, and then she goes on to the left side and I had 12 more follicles on the left side. Mm-hmm. So I had 17 follicles and I went back and looked at my old reports. That's what you used to have all the time. 16, 17, sometimes no. you had 10. So yeah, sometimes I had 10 and 11 mm-hmm. and now it's three, four years later. I think it's the pressure, the pressure's off. I've, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Bodies work in mysterious ways. They could all be bad also. But the fact that I have 17 is like... They could all be pale. Shocking. They could all be pale, mm-hmm. in which case we should just get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely the pressure's off. Definitely, like, despite COVID, despite civil unrest, I'm not kind of globally as stressed anymore. Like... That's not, no, that's not exactly what I mean. Like I am glo I'm actually globally more stressed about the state of the world, but I, but you're not, it's not like everything hinges on these appointments. Yes. Not everything hinges on and the appointments. To have a child. Right. And I feel like I was also really stressed about work at the time. Like, I feel like work was very stressful. Well, you were famously not, happy working for someone else and yeah you did that for most of IVF right I also became a vegetarian stopped drinking caffeine and don't drink alcohol which could have nothing to do with it or I bet it does or could have something to do with it it. and I stopped microwaving things in plastic (laughs) jeez Louise there you go I don't know it's interesting microwaving things in plastic if you were trying IVF 
Um, it's just, it's very interesting. And like, there's obviously a lot more hurdles, but it was surprising to me that I had 17 follicles. It was not surprising to me. Okay. <laughs> you love, you love being the, the no, I just had so much confidence in your utes. <laughs> um, Okay. Let's move on. That is the update. Um, all right. This is from Anonymous. Had to pause the pod to write in and say that when my husband needed to have his sperm tested, he wouldn't use the jerk-off room. But he couldn't produce the sample at home because we live over an hour with traffic away from the clinic. He mm-hmm. was so desperate to avoid the jerk-off room that he instead booked us a room at the Holiday Inn in Brookline <laughs> so that we could get to the clinic in Kenmore Square in under an hour regardless of traffic. That's amazing. We used it as an excuse to go out in the city the night before and I got to have a buffet breakfast while he was taking care of business. Oh, that's, uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty smart. <laughs> I like it. I know that hotel. Oh, that's where my junior prom was. That's where his was, too. Whose? That guy. Oh. Treats the jerk-off room like a junior prom. I see. All right. We have... um, We're still getting some some activity suggestions from listeners. Remember, we had a listener who was looking for activities. Dual activity. Yes. Okay. So here's a voicemail about that. Hi, Matt and Dory. This is Shana. Um, I'm calling in with a few more ideas for that caller who was looking for something to do with her spouse uh, during the stay-at-home orders. Um, First, I wanted to second um, some of the board game recommendations you've already gotten. Um, My husband and I are loving Seven Wonders Duel. We've played that a ton it's really good um we also really like love letters my six-year-old is also really into it um it's super fun and super fast and easy to learn um i'll also i have um a weird thing that um i i got i for my birthday i i decided i wanted to build a a clock like not not like just paint a casing and then stick in it in a made mechanical clockwork but um i watched all of um the bbc show repair shop which is on netflix right now and matt in Mm -hmm. particular i think you would love it it's really good but they have a clock repair guy who takes apart all these clocks so i got in my head that i wanted to build a clock my husband found one for me um there is a company called wood trick and it is based out of russia i believe based on the um instructional videos that i found for it on youtube and so my husband found me this kit and it is like a four foot long pendulum clock where you make all of the woodworks and the face and i mean the whole thing out of um snap out pieces of wood that are all numbered that you put together with toothpicks that come with a thing the whole thing comes together all you need is a craft knife and um uh pliers it's really fun um it took forever but it was a great thing to do together we could talk while we were doing it we had something to focus on something to figure out and now this cool giant thing to hang on the wall um and matt i will throw in for you the um 
Trogdor board game, um, <laughs> which is also really fun. Um, my husband uh, backed a Kickstarter or something for it for a while, a while ago, so we got like a very fancy edition um, Trogdor board game for uh, Dory and everybody else. That's from Homestar Runner, which um, I've been wanting to share this anecdote for a while, but my husband and I started dating in 2004, and for Hanukkah, the first year we were dating, we each got each other like secret presents. And we both independently bought each other the first hundred um, strong bad emails on TV <laughs> because that's who we are. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I hope you guys are doing okay. Um, I live with uh, my Girl. husband, my scruffy dog, my uh, almost seven-year-old and almost three-year-old in 24, 2200-ish square feet in the Philly Burbs. Oh, it's very love the Philly heard, Burbs. Heard the crow there. Caw caw. Henry likes to say what that, that a crow says. Caw. Um, and this is the clock. Oh, that's what you were looking at before, yeah. huh? The whole thing's wooden, huh? Even the counterweight. It's pretty cool. No batteries. Right. That's why there's a counterweight. Interesting. High quality time. <laughs> and this is her dog. Oh, that is a scruffy boy. Yeah. Very, very cute. Very cute little, little guy. All right. Um, okay. I promised the email about Vegas. Um, All right. Hello, Matt and Dory. I'm thinking of taking a trip for myself after dealing with the hectic pandemic months and a recent breakup to Las Vegas. I realize the risk in advance with the air travel, but I must get away. I see that airfare and hotel stays are at an all-time low, and I feel I must take advantage of them while I can because yeah. I doubt an opportunity like this will offer it will not offer itself to me with my meager income for some time. It will when you try to. You can. There's other times of the year when Vegas is very cheap, but go ahead. I know that Vegas is only opening slowly now, but I hope Matt could offer some suggestions based on his experience. Hotels, restaurants, slot machines, ha ha. I do plan to take a day to visit the Grand Canyon, but would love to hear his suggestions. Plan to be there for about five or so days. <sighs> oh my God, that is. A long time to be there, even with a day at the Grand Canyon. Like, I find my maximum, my personal maximum ability to be in Vegas is two nights of sleeping. Sometimes I can do three if I have, like, this other activity planned for most of a day. Um, so, that being said, look, I would wait a bit before you decide to, to, to go humming into Vegas at this point. And I say that because I was watching, again, I watched the, I would, I watched a YouTube clip, another YouTube, a Twitter video of the cosmopolitan in Vegas. And it was like, nothing ever happened. It was slammed and people were just gallivanting about without a care in the world. Like, to, to the point where I was like, I had to like double check on the video source and like make sure it wasn't fake from like, from like a few years you ago. You could glimpse some employees in masks. Yes. Which is the only thing that would tell you it was of now, but it was crazy to me. Yeah. I would look into which hotels have, or casinos have the, have the best, you know, social distancing policies. If you're, if you're gung ho set on it, uh, Grand Canyon, you know, doing that, that's going to be very, I mean, if you're going to rent a car, yes, do it. Head out. Don't worry about being shoved down a tour bus with totally. maximum number of people. 
Yeah, the Hoover Dam is worth a worth a trip to see. Um, but yeah, if I was going by myself, what hotel would I want to be at? Honestly, if I was going by myself, I'd probably be off. I'd probably stay off the strip at somewhere like South Point or the Green Valley Ranch. Um, because I don't like the chaos of a ton of people anyway. And if you have a car, no problem. You can drive over to the strip at any time. And I think a lot of them are finally re-offering free parking. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would, you know, look, I would, I'd give it about two weeks, wait for that second wave to snap back at them. Cause it seems like just super spreader central. Yeah. Seems pretty gross to be honest. Yeah. <sighs> uh, if it's turned me off to it, then who knows? I know if Matt's not going, then you got to figure. crazy guys. <laughs> uh, Okay. That about wraps it up, but I want to remind you all that you can get two extra podcasts a month and help support the podcast and potentially help us fund Baby 2. Uh, go to patreon.com uh, forward slash excellent adventure and become a supporter of the podcast. If you're at the $5 level or above, you get your name read on the podcast as a thank you each month. There's a huge back catalog there of over 50 back episodes, so get in there and have a great time. So thank you to the following. Carolyn Land. Greg Watchorn. Jennifer H.S. Melody Balthazar. Tyler Rosewood. Karen Thakurshi. Abba N. Alan L. Alec Meredith and Fletcher Babel. Allison Dean. Uh, Amanda Lightly. Lighty, sorry. Uh, Amy. Amy Giles. Uh, Andrea McCarroll. Uh, Andy Pavic. Pavlik. Pavlik. Angie James. Four Anonymous Folks. April Cherry. Ariana Perry. Ashley Cicely Lee. Audrey Watson. Aurora and Zelda. Becca Foster. Ben, a PhD. Brett Jarrett. Britt S. Baker. Brittany Bonanza. Bruno Macias. Carly Moore. Carolyn N. Kathy Kill. Kathy Hill. <laughs> Kathy Kill. Chinami Worth. Uh, Chris Dybel. Christina Smith. Cynthia Messner. Meisner. I, look, I am far away with no glasses trying to read a white screen with very f- tiny font. Uh, Debbie Meredith, a.k.a. Lex Conan's mom. Uh, whoa. Diana. Elizabeth Gerardo. Emily. Aaron Fast. And here comes the Gudge. Aaron Gudge. Aaron Turley. Fallon. Frederick Roy. And uh, Greta Truitt. Thank you, everyone. Thank you all so very much. We'll be updating you next week with more adventures in the f- fertility zone. Bye. Bye.